0: Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again this morning, Father. We pray, Father, for your presence to continue to be with us, O Lord. Even as we go through this time of searching, learning, hearing from you. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that we would, Lord, not become too familiar with the word, but we will grow in the word passages that could be familiar, I pray, Father, that will become alive this morning, once again. Pray, Father, for an unction of the Holy Spirit to rest over all of us, even as we speak, even as we hear. Let your word stand, and let every high opinion that exalts itself against the knowledge of God fall to the ground. And Lord, enable us, Lord Jesus, to continuously be sanctified and be set apart become vessels of honor in your kingdom to that end i pray that you would bless the hearing and the speaking of this word for in jesus name amen please turn with me to the book of jude chapter one book of jude chapter one and let's read from verses one to seven jude chapter one verses one to seven of course uh, let me just put this entire teaching in the larger context of what we've been uh, looking at. We've been looking at uh, the church in the wilderness, and uh, we'll visit that church in the wilderness for the for the last time today, hopefully, and we'll possibly move into something else, maybe tomorrow as the Lord leads. Um, the church in the wilderness, of course, is called the ecclesia, and that is what uh, we are admonished not to follow uh it says in first Corinthians chapter 10 that uh, these things happen to them as examples and were written for our learning upon whom the ends of the world have come so this morning uh let's turn to uh can we just set the monitor if you don't mind please That's, the connection is gone again. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Just give us a minute, please. Sorry. So, yeah, so we've been, look, we've been looking at the fact that um, the church in the wilderness is something that we are not <laughs> encouraged to follow or to, that was one bad example, okay. We learn from bad examples, we learn from good examples, we learn from church in the wilderness and the attitudes that we are not supposed to have and develop the attitudes that we're supposed to have um ultimately it's the life of Christ which has to flow through us so let's read from jude chapter 1 um reading from there's only one chapter uh, jude w- jude and verses 1 to 6 or 1 to 7 jude a bond servant of jesus christ and the brother of james um, the brother of james uh, the one who wrote the epistle of james of course and jude uh is the half brother of jesus We know it he doesn't call himself the half brother of jesus he calls himself now the bond servant of jesus so he says judah bond servant of jesus christ and brother of james to those who are called sanctified by god the father and preserved in jesus christ look at how he defines the church he defines the church with three adjectives first he calls them the called second he calls them sanctified by god the father third he calls them those who are preserved in Jesus Christ. That is how He defines the church. So the church are the bunch of people who are called. And who are these called? It says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, all things work together for those who love God and who are the called according to His purpose. And these are the people who have a purpose in the kingdom of God. Alright? Uh, if I were to define it in, define the called are these people who have a purpose and, uh, God says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has ordained for us uh, that we should uh, walk in them so all of us have a particular calling and um, in the body of Christ so the, the, we are those people who are called and we have a purpose and second they are sanctified by God the father now that, that's very interesting oh, <laughs> so in the sanctification work of um, uh, Jesus of, of, of the say, of the believer. The three people are involved. Okay. So if you, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2, you will see where we are sanctified. To so the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified where? In Christ Jesus. So we are sanctified. There is a position in which we are sanctified. Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who, who are in Christ Jesus. And after that, we have we have come into christ jesus he has accepted us in the beloved we have been seated together in christ jesus in the heavenly places so that is our position and once we have what is who are these people who are uh, sanctified in christ jesus these are the people who are called okay second thing they are being sanctified in christ jesus by god the father all right by god the father they are being sanctified in christ jesus meaning there's no sanctification for those people who are not saved. It doesn't make any sense. Those people who are justified are sanctified. Okay. Those whom he has predestined, them also he has called. And those whom he has called, them also he has justified. And those whom he has justified, it says they are glorified. But between the justification process and the glorification process, there is one process which is going on, which is called a sanctification in Christ. So only those people who are called... To be in Christ are the people who are sanctified. So this is a sanctification which is going on by God the Father, and that sanctification happens only for those who are in Christ. Therefore, there's no there's no meaning for those people who are not in Christ to be sanctified. Okay. So to just um, get these notions uh, more and more straightened up and cleared cleared up in your minds. So we are justified, and then we are sanctified, not the other way. All right. Uh, so when we spend, when scripture says he who cleanses himself he will be considered as a vessel of honor it is a process which is happening to us even as even after we are being justified what god does is he declares us righteous and then begins the sanctification process. That is what we call as purging out the old leaven. Uh, as 1 Corinthians chapter 5 would say because you're already a new lump in Christ positionally. Positionally, you are a new new lump in Christ Jesus. Positionally, you have been granted the uh, righteousness of of Christ Jesus. You have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ Jesus. But now, we have to continuously be sanctified. And that is one of the sanctification process. And how does this happen? We are sanctified by God the Father in Christ Jesus. And let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. And we will know how the sanctification process happens. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In sanctification of the Holy Spirit. How are we sanctified? By the Holy Spirit. So we are, ha- we are being sanctified by God the Father in Christ Jesus by the Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? Spirit doesn't work in vacuum. We are sanctified by the truth, the living word of God. It's a continuous process of being uh, made separate, um, uh, be- being separated from the things of this world and unto God constant cleansing is happening by the truth and especially the sanctification process is happening in our minds our minds are being sanctified we are being renewed by the washing by the by the by the water of the word of god we've been renewed we've been transformed we are being uh cleansed all the dirt everything that is happening it's happening in the soul and the sanctification is of the spirit so there's a position Where we are being sanctified, that is, in Christ Jesus, we are are being sanctified by God the Father, through the Holy Spirit. So we have the triune God, who is completely, totally interested in the sanctification process. Okay. You'll see that, uh, when Jesus goes into the waters of baptism, it it says... um, Permit it to be so, for it is befitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So when he goes into the waters of baptism, God, the son goes into the waters of baptism. The Holy Spirit comes and descends upon Jesus Christ and he hears a voice. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So that process of dying to yourself and living unto God for all of us is a... Is a, is, 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 is complete package. The God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are completely involved in this process of sanctifying us. Okay. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God the Father raised him from the dead. It is the Spirit also which raised him from the dead. And he said, I lay down my, my life, and I can also pick it up again. So we have, in this resurrection process, the whole gamut of Christianity is a triune God who is working in us. Okay, so never forget this. So in other words, there's a complete backing up of the, of the Holy God. In the sanctification process, he's totally interested in it. Just like the way when we went into the waters of baptism, got the Father, got the Son, and got the Holy Spirit. Yes, they said, yes, this is what my, this is what I want my children to, um, children to experience. Right? That's exactly what happens. Those who heard the word were cut to their hearts, and when they were cut to their hearts, they were baptized. And once they were baptized, and I believe they were, uh, they started, you know, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And after that, they were continuously being separated by the apostles' doctrine. All right, so um so th- this is how Jude starts, okay, he's addressing it to those people, who are these people? They are, these are the called, these are the sanctified, and these are the people who are being preserved. they are being kept where. In Christ, uh, let me tell you something. There is no other safe place for a believer other than in Christ Jesus. That is the reason why I keep on telling, right? There's a habitation. The habitation is a habitation in Christ Jesus. The moment we go out of Christ Jesus, the, 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 the defenses are gone. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is a sanctification in Christ Jesus. There's a cleansing inside, in Christ Jesus. There's a preserving in Christ Jesus. There, otherwise, there is corruption outside Christ Jesus. Okay. So that is the whole purpose of the teaching, so that we continuously be brought back, and we will stay put. We will put an anchor, <laughs> uh, so to speak, that we will not be moved. Will not be moved out of that position. What is that position? Primarily, the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. We don't even want to venture out. As much as we know, we surrender ourselves. Uh, to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. You got that? So, preserved. And to these people, you know what what gets multiplied? Mercy, peace and love. Oh, it's not for everybody, my dear brothers. For those people who are in Christ Jesus, who are these people? These are the people who are experiencing mercy and they are showing mercy. And therefore what happens? There is a multiplication of mercy that is happening. You understand? These are the people who are showing. They have been shown mercy by God, and therefore they're they're forever showing mercy. They're forever uh, forbearing with the faults of the others. They are saying, "Lord, I am determined to love my brother. I am determined to love my sister. I'm determined to show mercy. I'm determined not to uh, have any offense against anybody in my heart. Determined." Whatever be the case, Lord, I am determined from my side. Lord, there is nothing that is going to hinder my relationship with you. Like Pastor said, there are two hinges. The hinges. What first hinge is what? The love, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And then you have what? Love your brother as yourself. So the three things are very, very important. Mercy. Even as there's a multiplication of mercy that is going on in your life, there's a multiplication of peace also that is going on in your life. Righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What is peace? That you have a right standing with God. One thing, you have a peace with God, and you have a peace of God. Meaning, two things which are happening: there is, there is wholeness, there's completion. Peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means completion. Every uh, spiritual faculty in your body is working properly. Meaning, meaning you have a proper relationship with every. A member in the body of Christ. Doesn't matter how insignificant or significant he might look. Even with the nail, you have a fantastic relationship. In other words, you'll cut it out if it's growing. (laughs) Okay, so that will not poke others. I don't know who the nails are, what the nails signify, but uh, you, you know, you have a perfect relationship. Like it's like the entire engine of the of the body of Christ is moving in perfect harmony, what we call a symphony is happening so when God sees the church, what does he listen to? he listens to beautiful music the very life of the church has become music so you have mercy being multiplied there is peace being multiplied and what is happening love is also being multiplied agape okay which is being multiplied over here all right multiplied to you mercy and peace be multiplied to you and this is how he's defining the church and to this church he's addressing something very interesting over here look at what he says verse 3 beloved while i was very diligent to write to you con- concerning our common salvation meaning common salvation meaning the way we all got saved maybe jude wanted to write his personal testimony i don't know it was he was a half-brother of jesus no i don't know i'm just speculating he was a half-brother of jesus he might have wanted he might want to say he might possibly had this in mind you know something uh when Jesus, my 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 half-brother was on earth. This is how I treated him. And this is how I came to know the Lord, etc., etc. Maybe, maybe he was he was wanting to share his personal testimony. Okay, common salvation, so to speak. But then, you know, suddenly he Holy Spirit said, Baba, tumara story ko bajurak. I don't want, I, I don't, please don't write anything about your story or testimony. Your testimony will be disp- in display by the letter which I am going to inspire. And this is what he says. I wanted to write to you concerning our common salvation, but I found it necessary. something happened immediately. he put took his pen and his paper, he said, "Okay, I'll find uh such and such a date, and Holy Spirit said, stop., okay. write something else now. what I'm going to tell you what to write? write. I found it necessary to write to exhort you to contend honestly. you know. This is a very interesting word. Agonize. Earnestly agonize. For the what? For the faith. You know in Telugu it says, for the teaching. The translated the word faith is translated as teaching. Content for the teaching. Which is also not, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there is a particular word of God which inspires the faith in God. And we have to fight for that word also, for that for the teaching which inspires faith. Okay, I'm not going to go into the details of that, but we'll just only look at this. To contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. But only there is only one uh kind of teaching which inspires faith, and that is the doctrine of the apostles. And you have to contend earnestly for this. Agonize earnestly. Strive. The kingdom of God? Suffered violence. Yes. And the violence, violent take it by force. And this is of course not talking about physical violence. The moment they say violence, all the uh, people from the other Abrahamic faith will go crazy. Yes, 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 there is violence in your Bible also. No, no, this is not talking about, uh, about physical violence. This is talking about violence in the spirit that you are ready to revenge disobedience in your own life. You know, when is your obedience complete? Is a question. If you ask this question, how do I know that my obedience is perfect or complete? Or is fulfilled? how do i know it second corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 yeah 5 yes 5 and 6 casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is, so when your obedience is complete, what do you do? You're looking for strains in your life which cause you to disobey. You're saying, boss, every strain in my life which causes me to disobey, strain meaning I'm talking about virus. Okay, virus strain. Okay, the, every strain in my being which causes me to disobey, I want to take the antibodies of the, of the word of God and the spirit of God and inject into the system and kill them all, basically. Okay, I want to have health. Okay, it's not just people like healing. How many people like health? There's a lot of difference. What is the difference between healing and health? <laughs> healing is what we need when we spoil our health. And to be healthy, we have to do something. What we need to do is we need to agonize. You know, one of the constant um interview me when you talk about talk to athletes, no? As long as I stay healthy, I know I can compete. No, you'll ask this, what is this healthy Baba? Uh, do you mean to say do you have fever? No, 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 no. Do you mean to say you have any stomach upset? No, 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 no. no. I'm not talking about that. Do you mean to say that you have some headache? No, 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 no. What does healthy mean? That I am fit to compete at that level that is what it means just because you have mere health uh, good health it doesn't mean that you can compete at that level you know there is something called as yo-yo test you know yo-yo test it is the most excruciating test fitness test and you have to see how the rugby league um, uh, rugby league people in uh, in new zealand how do they do fitness test using yo-yo yo-yo fitness test Oh, it is one of the most excruciating tests and now it has become mandatory for that, for our Indian cricket team. Those days, uh, during Gasunil Gavaskar and, uh, and all these people, they had pot bellies. Okay. Nowadays, after the advent of all these uh, modern day athletes, a little bit of fitness has come into the, come into the Indian cricket team. So what if, in order for you to be qualified to be selected for any Test match, especially overseas, you have to pass the yo-yo test. And if you fail the yo-yo test, you are gone. It doesn't matter how talented you are. They'll see your pot belly and say, tomorrow, okay, fine. Tomorrow you come for the yo-yo test and we'll see how how you can endure. Because test match has to be played over five days. So you fail the fitness test, doesn't matter how talented you are. Okay, you may not have any sickness in your body. Okay, so this is very important. So this is essentially what we, what he's talking about. We are talking about striving for the faith, contending for the faith, agonizing for the faith, meaning we need to have every faculty, spiritual faculty exercised so that we can, we are fit spiritually. You understand what I'm talking about? Okay, so that is the reason why you have to be violent with your body. That's what it means, right? Excuse me, let me show you a few verses. Colossians chapter 4 oh sorry chapter 1 oh yeah, yeah Colossians chapter 1 verses 28 and 29 Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 and 29 him we preach why 27 verses? Christ in you is the hope of glory him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ that means I want to ensure that you are not only healed but you are also in health that is the reason why it says in one uh third John. He says, um, "I wish that all my children prosper, even as your souls prospers. Actually, it says the word is word that is used is health over there. Okay, him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. You know, there's a word in uh, in uh, in uh, Telugu. Uh, it says. Anunangulu. Anunangulu means your, all your limbs are complete. Limbs. Digits are complete. Okay. <laughs> You're complete. You, you, when you look at your, 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 your spiritual, uh, anatomy, if you will, <laughs> You're, there's completion over there. Okay. We want to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor. How do I do it? agonizing according to his working. I agonize. Oh, there's an agonizing that, that, that has to go on. So every minister of the word of God, whoever is called into the, into the ministry of the word of God particularly, he should agonize in prayer and in, in the word and study and study and sure that whatever he should be, rightly dividing the word of truth, asking God constantly, Lord, teach me your way, show me your paths, teach me your way, show me your paths. He has to be a good student of the word of God. Okay, agonizing according to his working which works mightily in me. And again, Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. He's working in the word, he's laboring in word. What does Epaphras Epaphras who is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, greets you always agonizing for you in what? So there should be a one who's agonizing in the word and there should be a one who's also agonizing in prayer. And both these Two things have to go hand in hand. That is exactly what the apostles in the first century church, when they had an issue with the distribution of Idlis, decided. What should we do? We should give ourselves completely to the ministry of the word and to the ministry of prayer so that we can we can prepare the church, right? Mm. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He says, he tells Timothy. Fight or agonize in the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life to which you are also called. And I have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Agonize. And how do we agonize? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24 onwards. Do you not know those who run in a race? All run. Like yesterday pastor was saying. The moment you are saved, you are already in a what? in a race you know you're you're not running for your salvation you're already saved here you're running for your rewards but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it and then it goes to the next verse and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate you know the word for compete who agonizes for the prize oh boy have you seen you should go to youtube and see how usain bolt used to train go to youtube Man, those athletes, boy, the how they trained, you know. Running and running and running. And he would just fall on the ground like that. And he said, not giving up, not giving up. Gets up, runs and runs and runs and runs. Boy, no wonder. Have you seen his uh, 100 meters dash? When compared to the others, he's just flying. It's just not important that you're talented. Okay, so agonize. Everyone who competes for the price is temperate or moderate in all things. So agonize, how do you agonize? By being moderate in every other thing. Okay. Not indulging too much into, in anything. Oh, Lord, grant us grace to that and we pray. <laughs> Lord, grant us grace. Grant us grace, Lord. Okay, now that, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, I thus fight not as one beating the air, but I beat my body and to bring it and bring it into subjection. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest having preached to others, I should myself become reprobate, it says. Reprobate. Disqualified means reprobate. Okay. So agonize, contend earnestly. So Jude, He's addressing it to the church and he's defining the church. He's calling them what? The called, the, sanct- the sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus. And fourth, he's saying, mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. And he's saying, even though I wanted to write about my testimony, I found it important that I should exhort you to contend earnestly, agonize earnestly. He's addressing it to the church now. Okay, and then... Uh, And uh, why should we, why, why is he, why is he asking us to agonize? Verse 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's saying because there is a teaching called as, particularly called as hyper grace teaching or whatever grace teaching that is, which says it doesn't matter how much ever you sin, God is going to forgive you. You don't have to. Overcome sin, nothing of that sort. They have crept in unnoticed long ago. Were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into a a license for sin. And therefore, he says, contend therefore. And he is going to give an example now. What is the example he's going to give? Verse number five. You will know the example. That is where I'm coming today. Okay, all that to bring you to the cow eats grass. Okay, but I want to remind you, verse five. Though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Full we'll stop. You can start Joseph. You can stop Then This is my launching pattern. So he has defined the church and as an example for the church, who's he, who's he, who's he taking? He's choosing, uh, the church of God in the wilderness. Which is an example, which is a type of the church. Okay. You got it? Everybody? But I want to remind you that though you once knew this, meaning I study only I taught. Day before I study or taught. And I the previous several years and decades we've been teaching. Oh, not decades, one decade. Hmm? Decade and two months, two years is already over. We've been teaching. Already you knew this. I want to remind you. This is exactly even Peter's uh, statement, no? You already knew this, but as long as I'm in this tent, I am bent upon one thing to remind you. Because you're all prone to forget, huh? The sin of forgetfulness is there in all of us. So we have to constantly be, oh, we already knew, but the Holy Spirit of God is going to make it relevant to us. That is the point here. So I want to remind you, though you, though, though you once knew all of this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Who are these people? These are the people who are the who are the called. These are the people who are supposed to be sanctified by God the Father, and these are the people who were were supposed to be preserved in Christ Jesus. And He's giving that as an example. Okay, got it. So, what is the problem with this church? Why were they not? Why were they destroyed? Destroyed is a very powerful word. Destroyed. Let me just find that verse for, word for you. Okay? What does word mean? It's a very... <clears throat> destroyed, perish, they got lost. Okay. All right. Killed, put to death, etc. Okay. We don't want to go into the details. We can can possibly do your own word search and find out what what does that word destroy mean? It's a good word to to tackle. (laughs) Okay. Those who did not believe. That means what was their major problem? Unbelief. Okay, they did not. Dis- they were destroyed um, those those who did not believe. Now, let me tell you something. Unbelief is a sin, which has got several support structures. In order to destroy unbelief, you have to destroy the support structures which cause unbelief. You got it. So let us see what are the supposed structures which cause unbelief. We have looked at so many supposed structures, but a few, which I want to point out, which are relevant to all of us. Okay, relevant to all of us. I'm not speaking anything which is irrelevant. It is relevant to all of us. Let us turn to the uh, to the commentary of the wilderness in Psalms. And there are at least three Psalms which talk about the wilderness journeys. First is Psalm 78. Second is Psalm 106. And the third is Psalm 136. Yeah, 136. Yeah, three Psalms which talk about the wilderness wanderings. Now, I'm going to look at Psalm 108 and I'm going to draw out seven. Okay, seven attitudes and support structures which cause unbelief. And we have to destroy those support structures. Let us see if we have time for all of the seven. Okay, so let us go to Psalm 106 right now. And let's read from verse four onwards. Four onwards. Let us read from verse four onwards to get the context. Okay. Remember me, O Lord, with favor. With, uh, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation. Okay, beautiful, no? Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. What is favor? Favor also can be translated as grace. Okay, remember me, O Lord, and remember me to, that you might show grace to me. And who does God show grace to? The humble, okay? Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that you have toward your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation. Then verse 5, that I may see the, ah, yesterday we saw, we saw that. Forget not all his benefits. What I want to see Lord, the moment I am filled with the spirit of grace, my eyes are opened to certain, certain very important truths. What are the truths I'm open to? I am open to see the benefits of the chosen ones. One thing. Second, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation. How do I know that I can rejoice in the gladness of your nation? How will I rejoice in the gladness of your nation? Very simple. You have loved righteousness, hated lawlessness, and therefore the Lord your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all your fellows. So, I want to, my eyes have to be opened to see the benefit of your chosen ones that I may have the anointing which will cause me to hate lawlessness and to love righteousness, that I may glory with your inheritance, that I may have an inheritance. Meaning, what is inheritance of his people? The life of Christ. That my eyes will be opened Okay, to the benefits of your chosen ones, which are the anointing which is available to, for me to cause to hate lawlessness and to love righteousness. And that the inheritance that we all have been given, what is that inheritance? The very life of Christ. What is eternal life? Oh, this is eternal life, that to know you, the only true God. Not to stay in heaven and walk on streets of gold. No. The very life of Christ will become my life is the whole purpose of uh, eternal life. That I know you. That I might know him. That knowledge of God. It is knowledge, not the knowledge of the word, as how much of the word you memorize, that you know God. You know his nature. You know how compassionate he is. You know how holy and righteous he is. All the attributes of God, you're growing in it, and there is a balance in your walk with God. Even as you're studying the word of God, the very nature of God, that you're taking part of it. It's called epignosis, the ex- experiential knowledge of God that is exactly the reason why Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 says it says some have given what prophets I mean apostles prophets teachers shepherds pastors for what for the equipping of the saints, that we may all become what? Complete and come to the full stature of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is what we want to, we want to grow in. The growing in the knowledge of our Savior. It is just not gnosis. It is epignosis. There's a sea difference between the two. So see difference. Okay? Alright. That I might see the benefit of your chosen ones. My eyes have to be open to that. That I may rejoice with the gladness of your nation. What are we? We are a holy set apart nation. We have a new identity. I told you know we have a different passport. What passport is that? Citizenship of heaven. And what are we there for? Ambassadors of Christ. Notwithstanding the fact so many times we will be ambassadors in chains. No problem. But we are ambassadors regardless. And what, what is the ministry that has been given to our hands? The ministry of reconciliation. What is the reconciliation, Baba? My, my master is there. He is the king of the universe. Please be reconciled to him. He is angry with the wicked every day. You are already in slippery slope places. If you are not, if you don't get reconciled to him, you will not know when you are going to fall. And you will be suddenly cut off. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. He is the ministry of reconciliation. Please be reconciled to my God. What is the ministry of an ambassador? That is your holy nation. So that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory in your inheritance. That means the very life of Christ which causes some people to be ashamed of, we glory in it. That is the reason why he tells, Paul tells Timothy, don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ nor me his servant. No. Don't be ashamed of him. I told you, right? What is wait? Why were they, de- what was the delay? The delay which caused, uh, them to get into idolatry. What was the delay all about? They were ashamed of Moses, the servant. They were ashamed of the message of the cross. So that I may glory with your inheritance. Okay, that is the, that is the introduction. Let's move on now. I'm just doing a few comments. Okay. Before we go from verse 8 onwards. So we have sinned with our forefathers. We have committed iniquity. So he is identifying. We have sinned, we have committed iniquity. I don't know who wrote this. Uh, Possibly the guy who wrote Psalm 105 must have also, also written Psalm 106 because they kind of go together. You know, we know, we have these medleys, no, in uh, our Psalter. Uh, these, these are, I think 105 and 106 are medleys, is what I believe. We don't know which scale they are in, then they're going to ask you, scales. On neginoth and on uh, all those, those stringed instruments, we do not know. We do not know the scales. We will leave it to our musicians to figure out those scales, but these are basically medleys. We have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. You now, what I really get amazed is, when they're singing, they're singing these things. They're singing a confession. Amazing, no? Think about it, now. How many of us songs have confession? Right? Think about that. We sing that song, Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit in me. That is a superb song to sing. Hmm? Shuddha kaluga chemo. A Beautiful song to sing. Why? Because you are confessing scripture. You are con- confessing and saying, Lord, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take off your Holy Spirit from me. And it has become a song. Have you seen modern day songs? Think about this. Where are those lyrics which say, we have sinned? Very few. We, our, we have sinned. Our fathers have committed iniquity. We have done iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled at the Red Sea. Can you just start the rebellion? And Baptism is committed. Basically, please get baptized. No, 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 What is baptism? Spring, spring over. Sprinkling, over. Unfortunately, so many Lutherans, Lutheran church only believes in sprinkling baptism. You know that? Eighth day, sprinkling baptism, over. It's not baptism. And you know what they did? They actually persecuted the church. Ironically, the very church which was the cause for reformation, which literally broke away from the Catholic Church and which underwent intense persecution from the Catholic Church, persecuted other believers which stood on the word of God. What was that? Water baptism. Who were the people who believed in that? Mennonites. And they persecuted so many people. So many people were killed. The quiet one, distiller and Londa, You know that, right? The quiet ones in the land. Who are the quiet ones in the land? These are the people who said, no, this is, sprinkling baptism is not biblical. We believe in immersion baptism. Lutherans persecuted them. What irony. So that is exactly what they rebelled at the, let's see, that is Lutherans. Okay. <laughs> Okay, they rebelled at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he had saved them for, for their namesake, that he might make his mighty power known. That's exactly the reason and Martin Luther wrote the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Okay, he also didn't think it was important for uh, to us to get baptized. Because sometimes, you know, you go to extremes. You don't want any ordinance. So you take off the ordinance of baptism also. Does not work. No? Huh? Or do you want to keep certain uh, traditions of the previous church that you came out from? Just to ensure that you don't completely offend them. (laughs) See, see, you see, uh, anyways, let's move on. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through the wilderness and then. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. And what happens? Verse 13, 14. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Finished. After that, over. That's what Twelfth. They, they finished his... They believed his words. They sang his praise. It starts with Rebellion. And finishes with believing, that episode finishes with believing and singing with praise. And you know after that immediately there, we will see how it's very interesting that the psalmist in Psalm 106, he, he does not go according to the chronological order in Exodus. Okay. He enumerates the spiritual order of unbelief. There's a spiritual order of unbelief. Hmm. Unbelief <laughs> has one spiritual already endured in a very interesting way. Look at it. Let us look at from verse 13 onwards. And before we go to verse 13, what is happening? They came out of the Red Sea, they started singing. Now the test starts. What is the test? They're baptized into Moses. They, they have all experienced the gift of salvation. They believed the words and they sang the praise. This is where everything is common to all. It says all were baptized into Moses. All, 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 all. Okay. Now comes the growth part in the wilderness. The Lord begins to expose all their attitudes in the wilderness. You got it? What, God, what what the Lord begins to do? He begins to expose all their attitudes in the wilderness. The whole purpose of the wilderness is to bring out what is there in our hearts. To see what is there in our hearts. He tries to show what is in our heart. And also gives us spiritual counsel through the word. So that we can overcome those attitudes and be strengthened by the spirit. That's the whole purpose of the wilderness journey. And that's exactly what uh, Moses tells in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Look at what Moses tells in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. Underline humble. Second, to test you. Underline test you. And the third thing, to know what is in your heart. And where do you find this? Whether you would keep the commandments or not. Where do you find this kind of language? In the new covenant. Second Corinthians 13 5. You're able to understand how to connect verses. 2 Corinthians 13 5. You see the language? The language of 2 Corinthians 13:5. That is the reason why I know man Paul, this man Paul was saturated by the scriptures. When he wrote, the scriptures were flowing from his pen. It was like being distilled <laughs> through the pen of Apostle Paul. Okay. Examine yourself. Just go to uh, verse 2 and I want you to look at those two parallels. I wish I had my, 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 my slides out would have shown you certain interesting truths. But anyway, you see, they, to humble you, to test you, to know what is in your heart, whether you will keep the commandments or not. Okay. Now look at the new covenant equivalent. The new covenant examine, test, know whether who's in you he doesn 't say whether you obey the commandments of not or, or, of jesus or not of uh, of God or not, whether who is in you christ in you whether the life of Jesus Christ is in you or not is what you have to examine so what what does god ex what what does God do in the wilderness of of the new covenant, so to speak, not the physical wilderness that they experienced, but the spiritual wilderness, so to speak, for us, what does he do? God allows situations and circumstances in our life to see if the life of Christ is emanating through us. Meaning, when situations and circumstances are contrary to us, will we allow the life of Christ, will we respond as if Christ has... Christ is living in us the way Christ would have responded for example turn to first first John chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 what is it Yes. My little children, one one and one to three, okay? My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, not only for our sins, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Go on. He who says, I know him, does not keep his commandments, he's a and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Go on. But whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. That is keeping of the commandments. That means our walk should be the way that Jesus walked. That means we have to respond to such circumstances and situations the way Jesus responded. If things become contrary to us, will we still show compassion and mercy? Lord, should we bring fire down from heaven? You do not know what kind of a spirit are you having. The rulers of this world, Lord, but you should be like me. I am your master and you, you, you call me master, you call me teacher, that is true, I am. But if I be your master and your teacher, have washed your feet, what should you do? Wash one another's feet. It's amazing. Some people go to the other extreme in churches, they keep on washing one another's feet and go to court also later on. But he not talking about that washing. What is washing meaning? Extending mercy. Hmm? So he who abides, so what, what? what is he saying? Whether the life of Christ, so what does God allow? He allows the wilderness journeys to humble us, to prove us, to test us, to see what is in our heart, whether we'll keep the commandments or not, in the new covenant, to humble us, to prove us, to see if Christ is in us. And if you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 in the KJV, it's a little more intense. No, the more intense... The worse, the greater the fear of God. What did I say? Because intense means means what? I already explained what is intense meaning. Keep everything in tension. Ah. Otherwise you'll miss the mark. We'll easily sin if there is no intention. <laughs> okay. Examine yourselves whether you be in the you where E be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves. How the Jesus Christ is in you, except E be. Or reprobates? Why? <laughs> what an amazing question. It's especially your what life? Your thought life. Turn to Titus chapter 1 verses 15 to 16. And 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 8 after that. Okay, 15 and 16. To the pure all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. Bah, what an incredible statement. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and reprobate. That's the word. I think it's uh, in KJV. Please, if you can put it in KJV. Reprobate for every good work. Unto every good work, what are they? They reprobate. They profess that they know Christ, but in the works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work uh, reprobate. Abominable, disobedient. You see, whenever you see believing, there's always obeying. Unbelieving, there's always disobedience. You see that? Always unbelieving and disobedience always go together. They're never they're beautiful twins. Identical, a disobedient. Are a, where is your twin ray? Ah, there is unbelief. Unbelief and disobedience go together nicely. They can't live without each other. Made for each other they are. They're joined together. <laughs> <You> got it? <coughs> Another verse, this is the scary verses of the Bible, which is good so that we will grow in the Word of God. Fear of God, okay. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6 verses, uh, 4 onwards. For it is impossible, if I am right. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened. After you have been brought out of darkness into light, and you have tasted the heavenly gift, and you have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, you have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come. You know what is one of the powers of the age to come? I don't know. Maybe speaking in tongues, I think, I think so. I don't know. Partakers of the Holy Spirit, powers of the age to come. I don't know. Maybe tongues will cease, no? Tongues will cease. Age to come, okay, then it's not, it's not speaking in tongues, okay. I don't know what it is. Powers of the age to come. And then, if they, what? Fall away. To renew them again to repentance is what? Impossible since they crucify again for themselves the son of god and put him to an open shame who is he talking about he's talking about those people who have become reprobate meaning they are rebels now they are they are not struggling sinners they are rebellious sinners they are bent upon going away from god now they have tasted once now they said this is life is not mine and verse 7 and 8 will say for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives the blessing from God. But if it bears and thorns and briars, it is reprobate. That's the word rejected. It says and near to being cursed whose end is to be burnt. It's reprobate. It's often keep on, it's keeping on drinking the word of God, but it's never changing its ways. What does it bearing on the on the contrary it is bearing thorns and briars which is a symbol of what curse or in other words what is that symbol it's the symbol of the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches the desire for other things and the pleasures of this life but where is the comfort comforting verse here verse 9 please read verse 9 that will be good but beloved, thank you Jesus, we are confident of better things concerning you. Things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Paul is saying, I know I am speaking like this, but we are confident of better things. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank, I don't know if it's Paul, but thank you, Jesus. Whoever whoever wrote it is confident of better things concerning us. Why is he confident? Not because of our own self, because who is birthed in us. That's the most important. The important, the, the, the significant thing is not about the confidence in our own strength our own abilities, our own whatever devotion, etc. It is the confidence in the life of Christ inside of you, hoping that that Christ inside of you is continuously growing. And that Christ inside of you overcomes the world and this is the victory which overcomes the world, even our faith. So whatever is born of God overcometh the world. So I'm confident of better things concerning you, things that accompany salvation, otherwise you have become a reprobate. That is the reason why examine Test, know and what is situations and circumstances are created in our lives to see where we are. And therefore we have been locked in and for so many people it is a wilderness experience like we have been listening to in the question and answer sessions. All the loopholes in every relationship is coming out. Praise God. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19. Don't have to turn there. We'll say it is... Good that factions (laughs) come among you, so that those who are approved might become revealed, will be revealed. Those who are approved by God will be revealed. Okay, so I hope you are not reprobate. Now the problem is, one of the ways we know that we are experiencing the anger of God or the wrath of God. It says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress or hold down the truth in unrighteousness. And one of the ways that they know that they have been, um, they have become unrighteous, or they're they're experiencing the wrath of God is when you turn to Romans chapter one verse twenty-eight in the KJV, if you don't mind. Romans chapter one verse twenty-eight. What happens to them? And even as they did not like to return, retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a, oh, reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. The mind has become reprobate. You do not think straight at all. Oh, may the Lord grant us grace to examine ourselves. How do we know that we are under the anger of God? That is the reason why it says, no, God is angry with the wicked every day. No, God is expe- not angry with the wicked, He's angry every day. The with the wicked is in italics, basically. He is the one God who is expressing anger every day. His anger is being expressed every day, and He's saying, please, one of the ways that you know that you are experiencing the anger of God is that you've been given over to a what mind? To a reprobate mind. So when you're looking and you're doing things that are absolutely not convenient, so to speak, what should you know? You should realize, Lord, I'm under the wrath of God. And hopefully, having come to realize that, you may turn to him and say, Lord, save me from wrath. Oh, you brood of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. In keeping with repentance, worthy of repentance. You know what worthy of repentance means? Axiomatic with repentance. That's the word. <laughs> In other words, every repentance will be known. You don't have to fake it. Like Pastor was saying, no? The moment you're saved, the righteousness comes automatically. The what you wear, the ghost of Christmas past, the Christmas present, and the Christmas future. After he changes, he's like his ways have completely changed. What has happened, he has experienced God. Otherwise you've been given over to a, what mind? Reprobate mind, and then you know that you're under the wrath of God. And you're angry, God says I was angry with this generation. And I consumed them and destroyed them in the wilderness. Psalm 711. And after that, 2214, Proverbs. <coughs> God is a just judge. And God, God is angry every day. <laughs> With the wicked, of course, is what is, this translation says. If you can just put it in ESV, uh, it will be great. Or NASB. NASB also is fantastic. NASB, I will keep it in there. God is, an, is a righteous judge. And God who has indignation every day. Or who is expressing wrath every day. 22-14 Proverbs, look at what it says. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is under the indignation or under the wrath of God, that's the word actually. The same Hebrew word. Under the ignis- indignation of the Lord will fall in it. Meaning God has given over, given him over to a what mind? To a reprobate mind so that he will give himself to the immoral woman. Reprobate mind. Okay? So, the wilderness is to expose our, whether we are reprobates or not, the way we are thinking, the way we are walking, our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions. Got it, everybody? Okay, that is the purpose of the wilderness. So, the wilderness will expose attitudes now. What are those attitudes? Let's go now to Psalm 106. Was <clears throat> 13 to 15. Just let us only look at this part. 13 to 15. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request but sent leanness into the soul. Do you see giving them over to a reprobate man here? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. We just said, okay, fine. They have, how did they become, they became where? Lean, where? In their soul. Soul contains three things we already know. Our thinking, our emotions, our will. So our, our will, our thinking and our emotions. They became lean. In their soul. So what, what did God do here first, in the first part? They forgot His works. We looked at yesterday. What did they forget? They forgot That he forgave all their iniquities. They forgot that they healed all their diseases. Third, because none of the diseases which have put placed upon Egypt will come upon you. He said, no, at the waters of Mara. Mm -hmm. Okay, he forgave all their iniquities. He healed all their diseases. He redeemed their life from the pit. He crowned them with loving kindness and with tender mercies. He filled their mouth with good things. And he executed righteousness and justice to all who were oppressed by the Egyptians. And these Egyptians which are following you, will, you will see them no more, he said. And in the waters of the Red Sea, he covered them all. These were the Egyptians who were oppressing you. So what did they do? They forgot all these six. Yesterday we looked at that. First thing. Second, they did not wait for his counsel. What did they not do? What does that mean? What does it mean not to wait for God's counsel? Here's a question, you need to ask what it is, what does it mean lord that why what is that attitude inside of me that causes me not to wait for your counsel? so let us search the scriptures and let us let us let scripture speak for itself. turn to isaiah chapter sixty four and let's read from verses one to four, brother bro hmm? one to four. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. This is one of the prayers that Eric, Pastor Eric, used to pray all the time. Yeah, okay. when, 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 when Those days, no, used to have those group prayers. Never forget that. Okay. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountain shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard. Who have not heard? Men have not heard. Not uh, uh, heard, not perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who... That's a word for it. Who acts on the behalf of those who wait upon him. So what is waiting for his counsel? Waiting, as I said, Pastor keeps saying the four attitudes, waiting, perseverance, patience, endurance. What does it starts with? Start with waiting. That means it is an attitude of the soul not to act impetuously. Asking God to act on behalf of us. For example, we will not take vengeance into our own hands. But we will continue to entrust ourselves to the one who judges righteously. Because our vindication comes from him. We will never try to vindicate ourselves. It's a tremendous, tremendous attitude that we have to ask God to help us with. Never try to vindicate yourself when accusations come against you. Okay. So Lord, I will not try to vindicate myself. Have the attitude of Joseph. God will be your vindicator. No weapon formed against you will prosper and every lying tongue that is going to raise against you in judgment you shall condemn. For this is our heritage as a servants of the Lord and our righteousness comes from you. Turn with me to Psalm 8 if I'm right. Just hold on for a minute, please. Hold on, hold on for a minute. If it's Psalm 8 or... One of my favorite, favorite Psalms, I tell you. Hmm? Ah, Sorry. Where is that verse? My goodness. Can you imagine? It's just deleted from this page. Oh, no, no, it's not deleted. I'm just, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious me. Oh, no, 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 no. It says vindicate me, oh God. Seven actually. Yeah, you're right. The psalm of a slandered saint. Hmm. This, which, Seven? Yeah, th- seventeen. Ah, Psalm 17. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give you 17. Cha. I was looking at seven. Thank you so much, Doctor. How? Hmm. I was looking at seven. It's okay. Now we'll remember this. Okay. Hear a just cause, O Lord attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. Not whose eyes? That is the reason why he says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it. As unto God and not as unto man. That is waiting on the Lord. Meaning, there are so many times you want to take matters into your own hands. Take a, take a chill pill. Easy. Relax. Take an ale. Call it ginger ale, of course. 50 rupees. (laughs) You guys are laughing, but it's... (laughs) Take a chill pill. Relax. Take an ale. Become a hobbit, okay? They like the ales, okay? I don't know. So, <laughs> so let my vindication come from you, Lord. Let me not take matters into my own hands. That is what I want to wait. I wait patiently for you. See, you know what happens then? That's the, that is one of the wilderness tests. Whether who is inside of you? Christ is inside of you. Whether you try desperately to see, okay, no, 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 I did not mean that. No, 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 no. no, no, Just hold on. Take it easy. You know, that is a process through which you'll be humbled. You'll be broken. And the life of Christ, like the breaking of the outer man and the release of the spirit is what the great watchman he says. (laughs) What a book to read and to hang your head in shame. No. So, understand this. The breaking of the outer man and the release of the spirit. So, let your vindication come from me. Wait upon the Lord. And how else? Go back to that verse 4 and 64-4. The Lord acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. Now, where does this appear, Baba? 1st Corinthians chapter 2. No, look at this one. This is interesting now. He is going to expound upon those who are, who are these people who wait for him. Ah, thank you so much. Let us go to 1st Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. And he explains who are these people who wait upon him. But as it is written, I has not seen. This is actually the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is a Septuagint, which is a beautiful rendering. Beautiful rendering. Okay, Who... Who endorsed it? Paul endorsed it. So I'm taking it. Finished. Because he's quoting. Okay, Because he was the one who said, Christ Jesus died according to the scriptures, raised again from the scriptures, and all scriptures, 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 scriptures. And he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. And he's quoting from the Septuagint. So therefore, I know Septuagint is ratified. If you have problems, fight with Paul once you reach there. If you reach there. So... (laughs) Once you go there, you'll not fight no you'll say you'll just go and embrace him, boy, thank you so much you are our role model no you were our role model on earth. What a man you were hmm? but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man things which God has prepared for those who so who are those people who wait on him? those people who How do you know those who love him? Next verse, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. In other words, let me just tell you what it means. Who are these people who wait on God? They are the people who are led by the spirit. They refuse to act in the flesh. They are not moved by the immediate They have the capacity to discern what a particular decision or action that they have chosen is going to result in or to take them to a particular place. Where it is going to take them. Spiritually. They make choices not by sight, but by faith. They are not moved by the immediate. They are not like Esau. In other words. Why? Jacob have law, Esau, I have hated and have Edom have said, this is a nation with whom the Lord has indignation for ever. They are the people who are experiencing the wrath of God forever. Who are these people, those people who cannot be led back to repentance, in other words? Why are these people cannot be led back to the repentance? Because they have been, they were moved by the immediate. What a tremendous lesson to learn for all of us. Because all these tests keeps coming to us all the time. So whenever a test is coming, whether we will look for an immediate solution, or will we wait upon the Lord, and let's say, and ask the Lord, all of us, we, including me, I am judging my own heart today, in this morning. Whether I will be moved by the immediate circumstance or will I, will I say, okay, Lord, where is this going to take me? What is going to happen to me? Like, lot. Where is it going to take, where is it going to take me, Lord? Okay, everything looks fantastic, but you know, we don't read the fine print, right? What was the fine print? God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. There's no insurance against this. Think about that. Where is this going to lead me, Lord? We are not going to be moved by the immediate, my dear brothers and sisters, we need to take this to heart. Lord, grant me the grace to have those spiritual calculators, if you will, who can integrate over a series of decisions and find the area behind the, in, under the graph, right? That's what integration is, right? We also have, uh, what is that integration brother bro stokes theorem and wens theorem stokes theorem right which integrates over a cuboid i forgot that if we also forgot fantastic <laughs> in other words you are able to gaze the see there is one dimensional only you you, you, you just, just don't look at one dimension have a multi dimensional view of a particular situation Some angles are you don't What we call as a six degree of freedom view. Not just the position, but also the attitude. What did I say? Attitude, huh? Okay. Understand. They make choices not by sight, but by faith. Look at what it says in Psalm 33 verse 11. You should love this number. You know why? Completely divisible by 11. Okay. <laughs> the counsel of the Lord stands for huh? ever. We wait for his counsel, right? They do not wait for his counsel, but we wait for his counsel. What is that counsel which stands for ever? Worldly counsel or spiritual counsel? All that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. The the world and its passions and lusts are passing away. But he who does the will of the father stands forever. Abideth forever. The counsel of the land of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations, he is not moved by which culture that you are living in. Once he has decreed, it is decreed for all generation. Oh, now you are living in 21st century, brother. So many things have changed. No, he has not changed. He has not changed. His counsel stands forever. From generation to generation, it is the same. And in fact, it's more relevant today than it was several hundred years ago. Understand, I mean, the the Bible is more more relevant to us, isn't it? No, it's opening up more and more to us in these last days, isn't it? The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So what did they not do? First of all, they forgot his works. Second, they did not wait for his counsel. That's the attitude which causes what? Unbelief. Those Those are the support structures of unbelief. Destroy it. This attitude which does not wait for God's counsel. Hmm? 1920. Proverbs. Easy to remember. 33.11. 1920. Aha. Listen to counsel. Receive instruction that you may be wise in your ah latter days. This is what I am taking decision today. Calculate 1 year, 2 year, 3 year, 4 year, 5 year, 6 year, where am I going to end after 10 years? Raj, what was the HR question that, God, that your uh, manager asked you? Where do you see yourself in 5 years? God also asks HR questions. Where do you see yourself, Peter, in 5 years? He'll ask you. Uh, <laughs> considering my present condition and my interests and the giftings. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Jesus is very clear. Coming from the Father, going to the Father. Finishing my work. Over. This is the work. It is, the night is coming and the day is No, I have to finish the works of the Lord as long as it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. Very clear. So, decision I'm going to take today. Where is it going to lead me? In five years time. Think about that statement. Boy! I mean, I I was, you know, today, I'm just considering today's situation. And I I just went back three or four years back. And I was thinking, had I taken the job? Where would I be now? (laughs) Today. Definitely not behind us. See how important it is for us to be led by the Spirit. It's so important. Because it's only the Spirit which searches the deep things of God. Who can know the mind of God so that we should instruct Him. But we have the mind of That you may be wise in your later days, latter days. Think about that. All senior brothers in the Lord. You want to be wise in your latter days or you want to grow in your wisdom in the latter days? You want to grow your gray hair proportional to your wisdom? Laughing, no? Think about those statements. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise. Wait for the counsel of God. This is one of the spirit of those people in the wilderness. The church in the wilderness did not not have the attitude to wait for godly counsel. They were impetuous in their decisions. They were moved by the flesh and they were moved by the immediate. 11.14 Proverbs. Look at what it says. Where there is no counsel, look at this. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, in brackets I said, in love. Okay. Where there is no no counsel, people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is what? Safety. Safety. That is the reason why Paul heard we took a decision. Like what Pastor was saying yesterday. Sort of beautiful uh, attitude to have. Because there is safety in multitude of counselors. You may have received a leading from the Lord. But check. Before you make all those calculations. Otherwise Tarumaru means he will just discomfit your plans. That's the word in KJV. Search it in the dictionary what that means. Discomfit. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. They all said, let us make a name for ourselves and build a tower which reaches to the heavens. Oh, they wanted to make a portal into the heavens, by the way. Oh, they want to come to heavens. God said, okay, let me go down. The irony. Oh, they wanted to come up. God said, okay, how, long, how far will you come, Baba? Let me come down now. David was wise. He said, Lord, my goodness does not extend unto you. Forget about it. I don't want to build anything in this life. Let me come down. The irony of it all. If you want to make a name, you'll reach to the heavens. God said, Where? (laughs) Where, 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 where Baba, where, where? He came down. For temporal gains, do not forsake the eternal. For the passing pleasure of sin, do not sell your birthright like Esau. For temporal, fleshly relationships, do not forsake eternal spiritual relationships. And that's exactly the decision Levite had to take. Atma sammandhama, lekunda <inaudible> anuragama. What do you want? Spiritual relationships? Or do you want relationships which pull you down into unbelief? Wait. Why? It's a danger, no? Otherwise? Hebrews chapter 12 verse um, 16 or 15 and 16. Okay, verse 14 onwards. Let's read from verse 14. Yeah. Uh, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see. God, looking carefully, lest anyone short fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble by this, many have become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or a profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. And then, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance. Though he sought it diligently with tears. You know why? Because he looked at temporal and he forsook the eternal. He did not wait. Wait. Those are the, 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 those are the support structures of unbelief. Destroy it. The attitude of forgetfulness and ingratitude. Destroy it. The attitude of not waiting upon God. Destroy it. So that you will have faith. You'll begin to believe. Let's go back to Psalm 106 now. Verse 14. They forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. The third, fourteenth, they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. Wow! What kind of a lusting that is. I'll tell you what that lusting is. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 11. Verse 4 onwards, you'll know what that lusting is. Who causes that lusting? Now the mixed multitude. (laughs) Who were among him, among them, yielded to intense craving. Actually, uh, you can put it in a KJV, actually that word will appear. It's, it says mixed. Am I XT? Okay, thank you. Am uh, I XT? Okay. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept. The mixed went lusting. Children of Israel also went again, along with them, wept again and said, who shall give us what to eat? Mutton to eat. Have you ever seen, whenever we have a vegetarian meal, it's only a parable, by the way. sukham ga ledhu prana? Oh, there is so much of sukham in vegetarian. Especially if it's not spicy and too much of masala is not there. It's very, very happy to the stomach. Otherwise, grr, grr, grr. My goodness. We remember. Suddenly this fellows will cause them to remember something else. What? Fish. We ate what? Freely. And our first fish will come, then cucumbers will come. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. L-I-C-K, okay? They like the, to lick the garlic by the way. But now our soul is dried away. That's what it says. Look at this thing, you know. Your soul is right away. Your soul is lean simply because of this attitude. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. What is the problem with the mixed multitude? Who are this mixed multitude? What is the spiritual significance of the mixed multitude? What do they do? What are their interests? What is their attitude? What, is their, what do they spiritually signify? How do they destroy, the, how do they cause the support structure of unbelief to stand in our lives? Is the question. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. On that day, they read the book of the law of Moses, book of Moses, okay, book of Moses, that means they read the Lord, okay, on that day they read the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God, then what did they do, because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, underline bread and water in your Bible. Hmm? but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessings. So it was when they heard the law, they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Who are the mixed multitude? Question. Who are the Mixed multitude. Comodila question in a Gulti accent, okay? French in a Gult accent. <laughs> what is this? Mixed multitude attitude? What did they not bring? The Ammonite and the Moabite? Bread and water. In other words, they had no spiritual sustenance to strengthen your soul, nor spiritual sustenance to refresh your soul. Bread and water. And what do we have to do? Separate them. See, <laughs> the Ammonite and the Moabite in us, among us, inside of our hearts, basically. internally. What do they do? They cause us, rather, they do not meet us with bread and water. Meaning, Peter and I are discussing. Certain thing, we are having a conversation. I hope to meet Peter with bread and water. And I hope Peter will meet me with bread and water. What is that? Romans chapter 1. Are you there? (laughs) Verse 11 and 12. Look at this. Beautiful renderings. Romans chapter 1 verse 11 and 12. Can you put it in ESV? And or in ESV also is fantastic. For a long to see you. Who is saying this? Paul is saying. To the who? To the Roman church. For a long to see you that I may impart some. Spiritual gift means bread and water to you. Hmm? Equivalent, okay. For I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, look at this now. I may be encouraged together with you while I am among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Now you understand what bread of water is? When I am with, let's say Raj. What am I? Hopefully, giving him something spiritual, imparting something spiritual into his life to establish him, and hopefully, in the process, what I'm getting back is something spiritual from his life to establish. So we have some very, inter- very good discussions. Know how the decisions that he has made. You know, so many times I, I hear conversations from him, I'm, I'm encouraged. then I said, "Boy, I'm challenged by this kid." Similarly, when I'm talking to you, I'm hoping. So, what does the Ammonite and the Moabite do? <laughs> Instead of meeting those people with bread and water, they wanted to get some curse on them and draw them away by sending Balpur. Remember that. It says they joined themselves to balat pure. It was definitely impure, totally impure. at pure nonsense. Phineas was there, thank God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Salute him. Once you go to heaven. You have to find Phineas, okay? That other Phineas is there downstairs. You don't have to worry. Only one Phineas is upstairs, okay? <laughs> the other Phineas is Ikhabud, gone. <laughs> okay. So what are you saying? What I want to do? I want to give you bread and water, Peter. And I am hoping that I will get some bread and water from you. Sustenance, bread and water, word and prayer. Bread and water. That's all we need. And what did they reject? Bread and water. (laughs) Right? They rejected manna, they rejected water. Bread and water. Do you have bread and water? Are you like Asher? Who has got the foods which are which can be given to the kings? Do you have food? (laughs) Do you have bread and do you have water? Or at least do you have the humility to beg for bread and water? Remember that friend? Oh, a long distance friend has come. Please give me some bread. It's over. I don't have bread. No, 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 no. I'm sleeping. But you know what he says? Because of his continual. Do you have that attitude, Lord? I don't have bread. I don't have water to give. I am a Moabite, I am an Ammonite, I am a Moabite. It doesn't matter what you call yourself, Baba. If you don't have bread and water, you are an Ammonite and a Moabite. Because you do not meet my people with bread and water. So what did they do? Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 3. When they heard the law and they took away every Ammonite and Moabite spirit inside of them, which will cause them to stumble, which will not strengthen them spiritually, which will not cause that support structure of the unbelief to be destroyed, what did they do? Removed it and they destroyed that support structure of unbelief. The Ammonite spirit and the Moabite spirit. That is the reason why. Turn to Philippians. Chapter 4. I should have a word, right? In season to give to the weary. No. But how do I get that word? Is a question. No. Philippians chapter 4. Sorry. Yeah. Ephesians, Philippians chapter 4. Thank you. Yes. Verse 7 to 9. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus finally, brethren. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any anything of praiseworthiness, meditate on all thi- on these things or think about these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. What did I always give you? Bread and water. These do and the God of peace will be with you. Have bread, have water. In other words, a mixed multitude were never interested in this. They wanted something which will not strengthen their spirit, but the flesh. Get rid of it. Okay, so let's go back now. So first, they forgot his works. Second, they did not wait for his counsel. Third, they lusted intensely in the wilderness. And go to Psalm uh, um, 106 and verse uh, 13. And they tested God in the desert. Tempted God. What is tempting God? I'll tell you what that attitude is. Two two thoughts over here. What is tempting God? First, you tempt God. Uh, You go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16 to get this thought about what does tempting God mean. There are (laughs) several things which you can talk about. I want to talk about only one thing. One or two things maybe maximum depending upon the time that we have. We have about 20 more minutes. So let us see. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. Now the point here is, this: who quotes this verse is important in the New Covenant. Everybody's looking at my face. Two people quote this verse. Jesus quotes and Paul quotes. So let us look at, see, Jesus I know, Paul I know. I hope we know who we are. If you don't quote this verse, we are, the the powers of darkness don't know who we are, Baba. They only know only Jesus and Paul. Okay. Let's, (laughs) let's go to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter four, verses five onwards. Five to seven. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. That means fall into sin. Basically rebel, no? For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, it is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What is this attitude? How long? How far? I can sin and get away. That is, testing God. How far? That's what you tell, no? we tell our children, no? Don't test me. Don't test my patience. The fellow keeps on doing and doing and doing. And he said, please, I'm warning you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Afterwards, patak, snap. Got it? Snap and you're done. How far I can move? How much I can drink? What all I can watch? Why do you want to tempt God? These are attitudes. What are these? They are the support structures of unbelief. How far I can test my, (laughs) my leaders. Paul of course also uses this. 10.9 10-9 of 1st Corinthians. And he adds certain things to it. The spur test. Actually, Paul quotes something else, but anyway. Let us tempt, let us not tempt Christ as some of them did. Also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Who are these people? These are the people who are discouraged and they complained against God and against Moses. Why did you bring us up? You are the cause for all our trouble. So, don't tempt God. How far I can push God and get away? Let us not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's exactly what he will reap. So what's the result of all this? Let's go back to Psalm. <clears throat> 106. They lusted. So they forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. And they tested God in the desert for things. And fifth, you know what God said? He gave them their request. And sent leanness into their So Gave them the request. We don't want that to happen, right? We don't want God to give our request. God, do not answer according to the idol in my heart. Lord, please. Lord. And in fact, the problem is, when you have an idol and you get an answer to the prayer, my God. The danger of it is that you think that God is with you when he's not. When he's actually against you, he's angry with you. Isn't it interesting that Balaam goes back to God and says, should I go with him? He says, go. And the angel of the Lord is with a drawn sword against him. It says, the angel of the Lord was contrary to him. And who was more discerning the donkey? Shucks, man. The prophet of God. So, don't, let us not ask God, don't don't grant me my request. You know what's going to happen? That request, when he grants us, it will be detrimental to our soul and therefore to our life of faith. Okay? So, let's go back. So, we looked at Four things now. First, first thing, they forgot, they did not wait, they lusted, and they tested. And therefore, God gave them their request. Request is over. Okay, so four things we looked at. Now, let's look at uh, three more, three more requests. Three more. Then let's go to Psalm 106 and verse 16 now. See, look at the spiritual order. The the idolatry part comes in verse uh, 19. The envy part comes in verse 16. That's what I tell, told you. This is a spiritual order. Spiritual order of unbelief. Break this order. is a support structures of unbelief. What did they do? They envied Moses in the camp. And Aaron, the saint of God. And the, op- the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram. Abhi, <laughs> so, whoever had faction spirits, they were gone. Mm? Okay, the earth opened up and they went dow- directly down to hell. Okay, a fire was kindled in their company. A fire was kindled in their company. The whole flame burned up the wicked. So, think about it. They here they envied, and three th- results happened. What are the three results? Look at. Let's go back. First, when they envied, result number one, the earth opened up and swallowed. Third, the the covered the faction. Fourth, I mean, sorry, second. Third, the fire was kindled in their company. The flame burnt up. Fourth, the flame burnt up the wicked. So you have the wicked, you have the company. Go the previous verse. You have you have faction of Abiram, and swallowed up Dathan. Four things are happening. Why? Because they envied who Moses and Aaron. The saint of the Lord. I like that. Why is he called the saint of the Lord? This guy is, what does the high priest have on his head? A turban which says, holiness to the Lord. Okay. They envied Moses and they envied Aaron, the one who was called to be the high priest of the Lord. The one who was supposed to make what for them? Atonement for them. They envied. What is this envying business? I'll tell you something. These are the people who are of the flesh. they envy those who are spiritual than them. They are not willing to pay the price. Why was Aaron the saint of the Lord? when not because he was perfect. He also messed up at Horeb. That's the next verse. But what happened when Moses said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come out, what did he do? Aaron and all the Levites along with him came to the side of the Lord. What did they do? They said, we are what set apart for God. Did everybody have a chance? Did the Reubenites have a chance? Did the Gadites have a chance? Did the the tribe of Judah have a chance? Did the tribe of Joseph have a chance? oh yeah everybody has a chance but who took the ch- who took the opportunity he never says all the levites come this side no he never said that because moses is a levite honest he doesn't have the Benjamite spirit okay you know the benjamin spirit no the clan spirit that's what i believe that jonathan struggled with like the pastor was saying yesterday no he loved moses, david but that benjamin spirit baba It'll stick to the clan, I don't know why. The tribal affinity is more important than spiritual affinity. And even Jonathan, for all the people struggled with that. If that guy would have broken up that faction, I mean, things, would have, how different it would have been. But this Benjamin spirit, oof, it's a crazy spirit it is. So, God did not say Benjamin should not come, He did not say, whoever is on the Lord's side, That is the reason why it says, it tells the uh, tells the Levites, of the Levites, it says, your Umim, Urim, and your Thummim will be never be taken away from you. You know why? Because you tested them at Masa, you proved them at Meribah, and they told their brother, you tell her, you are not my mother, you are not my brother, you are not my friend. But they took the sword and they destroyed everybody in their own household who was contrary to God. And God said, you know what? You are going to teach Jacob my law and my statutes. But did you take those decisions? No! See, whenever there's a promotion, there's always a test. And only those people who pass the test will get the promotion. Am I right? In every company? Why should we... I mean, grace bolato, even if you fail, we have to give you... Oh, what nonsense, Baba? And now what's the whole purpose of grace? No, 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 no. Please give us... It's called grace marks. Such a nonsense it is. Grace is not given to lessen the, uh, cut cutoff. Grace is given to, so that you can go and reach the cutoff. We, we have a total different understanding of grace. What is grace? Oh, it will low, lower the standards of, standards of God is called grace. It is not lowering the standards of God. It is giving you the strength to come up to the standards of God. How different we look at grace these days. That is, that is the reason why he says, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Not even one yacht or one tittle of the law will be, will be cancelled until everything is fulfilled. And therefore, whoever relaxes even the least of these commands will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. You see, what do we have a total warped understanding of grace? I'll tell you how a professor should show grace to his students. Do whatever it takes so that they can come up to st- come up to speed. Whatever it takes. Train them, take extra classes, do whatever it takes so that all the students will come to, come up to speed. The final exam is this, Baba. I can't change that. But what are the people doing? They are forever changing the question paper. Lessering the standards, lessening the standards. That is not grace. Unbelievable we are. The total different understanding of grace in the church these days. What is grace? Lessening the standards of God. No! So that everybody can get in. No, 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 no. That is not, that is not grace, Baba. Ensuring that everybody starts believing in the Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can come up to the level of truth. That is grace. When the Spirit of grace comes upon you, He will lead you to all truths. God has given all things pertaining to life and godliness to the knowledge of him. The grace of God which brings salvation to all as has appeared to all men, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts, so that we may live godly lives in this present age and wait for the appearing of Jesus Christ, not to lower the standards of God. And what has happened to these days? We don't lower the standards of God. We encourage and strengthen believers so that they can come up to the spe- to the to the measure of the truth of the Word of God. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Only truth, brother, and it'll all fall. That's the whole point of grace. God, give me grace. What does it mean, Lord? Give me the power to overcome. Right? Why? 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 Why shall sin not have dominion over our lives? Because we are no longer under law, but we are under grace, so that we have the ability to overcome every sin in our lives. That's the whole idea of grace. Every negative thing that we are able, that, that can come across our path, we have the ability. God, and God will not test us beyond our ability. To the measure of faith, He will test us, and with every testing, He will also show us a, a way, way of escape, so that we are able to overcome it. You understand that, right? So don't, let us never lower the standards of God. So the problem here is they envied Moses. Why did they want to envy Moses? These are the people who said, okay, everybody had a chance. Everybody had a chance to make a decision that day. Life and death. I said before you, life and death, blessing and curses, choose life. And they made a choice. Who made a choice? The tribe of Levi made a choice. And because they made a choice, God said, okay, this is what I'm giving you. I'm giving you the authority. You are the only people who will be ministering to me in the tent of meeting. All the rest will be the outer, outer people. And why are you so upset about it now? Why are you so upset about it? It was not that God is a respecter of persons. No, you are envying that, but you don't want to have the same separate, separated life. You don't want to have. You don't, you don't want to make those choices which will, which will uh, cause you to, uh, you know, be separate from the things of this world. But you will envy all the positions and the, and the and the and the and the things in the kingdom of God. That's what I told you, right? We don't need positions. What we need? Authority. The problem is this. Problem is envy. Why did they uh, uh, allow Jesus to be crucified? Matthew chapter 27. You know this very well. 50, verses 15 to 17. Look at what. 15 to, 15 to 18 bro. Matthew chapter 27 verses 15 to 18. Look at what it says. Now at the feast the governor was accustomed to releasing the multitude to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they gathered together, Pilate, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to him, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? For he knew that they handed him over, the, pri- the high priest, the saint, I mean, of course, he's a, he's a type of Aaron over here now. A person who separated unto God. For he knew they handed him over because of envy. Of envy. Sometimes, you know, the people in the world are able to see, people in the kingdom more clearly. Unfortunately, what a shame. I know why you're doing this, because of envy. And you look through the book of Acts, when Paul and Barnabas and Silas go wherever they're going on, the Jews get what? Envious of them. That is the reason why he says he is not a Jew. One, what? Outwardly he is a Jew. One, inwardly there's an inward circumcision that has happened in this in these people's heart, and only God is able to see it. And God is able to entrust Himself with them, but He's not able to entrust Himself with with you guys. Why? Because you have not proven yourself to Him. It's not that God is a God is testing you. I mean, He's a, he's a respecter of persons. No, He has given equal opportunities to everybody. And those people made a choice when the choice could have been made by everybody. Hmm. So what happened? The result? Verse 17. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. Who's this Dethan, Baba? I'll tell you who this Dethan is. Numbers chapter 16, verse 12. Onwards. Sorry, it was, 12, it was twelve onwards. It was twelve onwards. Sorry. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram. After this, the Korah and all his assembly come, and, no? Uh, and Dathan, Abiram, and Korah, Dathan, Abiram took men. Okay. Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliav, but they said, "We will not come." This is defiance. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing, uh, brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? Is it a small thing? Look at this, guys. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? Which is the land flowing with milk and honey for them now? Egypt. That is the spirit of Dathan and Abiram. In other words, they want to be delivered in their sin. They don't want to come out. They don't want to have a separated life. But they will envy. How did these guys get their positions, Baba? The dealings of God? 40 years in the wilderness? What did they get? So much of persecution and, and he, they were humbled, they were crushed by God. So that God could entrust authority in their hands. And these guys want authority just be, without any testings in their lives. And that is the reason why a man should not receive anything apart from that which is given by God from heaven. And God knows how much, how, how much you can handle and he should give only that which you can handle and which will not destroy us. What is this attitude? That you should keep acting like a prince over us? You wanted to act like a prince over us. But we didn't give you the chance, no. And now you are upset about it you like you lust after that position you think that the spiritual position is to lord over people's flock that's your lust you don't want to lead as an example you don't want to give yourself up for the for your for your sheep no you don't have those attitudes but you want power you want authority and because of that you end. They envy the spiritual. Meaning what? They are not interested in a spiritual life, but they want the positions of the spiritual life. How is it possible? And that is one of the support structures of what? Unbelief. And what is God saying? Break it. So they forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They lusted exceedingly. They tested God in the desert. They envied Moses. They created a golden calf. You know that, we already saw that, okay? And the final seventh one for the day. I wanna finish this topic so that we can go to something new, no? I mean, I want to go to something new. Hopefully, okay? I don't want to (laughs) promise anything. If the Lord prepares me and he gives me the word, if he says like, like, uh, Jude, Baba, don't uh, do anything personal, uh, something else I want to say, uh, then it's his, up to his prerogative. Look at what it says in Numbers chapter, uh, uh, 106 and verse 24. Then they despise the pleasant land. What is a pleasant land? The promised land. The life of promises. They despised it. See, how can you have an appetite for the life of Christ when you are lusting in the wilderness like this? The life of Christ will look absolutely impossible for you now. That is what a lot of people say. Oh, this life is impossible. How can you have any appetite for the things of God when you are lusting for the things of this world? And when God is trying to expose expose your heart, you are not even willing to deal with those things. You don't have the eyes of the spirit anymore. This is is, the problem with all of us actually, no? So what did they do? They despised and they complained. They despised and they complained. Why should you complain? Think about that. Numbers chapter 14, verse 6 onwards. And we'll finish. You're done. Okay. Sorry. Almost done. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephune, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. And you know what they said? And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. The land which we are passing, we pass to go to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Baba, don't tell me this. They say, Dayton told me Egypt was milk and honey. Who's your leader? We want a leader like Dayton who will take us back to Egypt. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly. How they look at it, no? How eyes of faith. See, this is what has happened to Caleb and Joshua. What has happened? They have destroyed the support structures of unbelief in their lives. And you know what? They were able to see the promised land. They are able to see. You know what? This is fodder for us. This is meat for us. For our spirit. We are able to overcome. If God is with us, we are able to overcome. If God is with us, who can be? Against us, that's what he said. He who did not spare his own son, the Passover lamb. But we ate of the Passover lamb, right? Roasted. If that same power is there inside of us, will, will he not with him freely give us all things? Is the question they asked. In the new covenant language. The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And then, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and, to, and give us a land which flows with the milk and honey. But you have eyes for Egypt. What will happen to you? For you, Egypt is milk and honey. Life of Christ is not milk and honey. Isn't it interesting? When uh, Ezekiel is asked to eat the word of God, what happens? He eats the word of God and how does it taste like? Honey? No, 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 no. Egypt is honey. The passing pleasures of the sin, of sin is honey. That's a honey trap that they've caught themselves in and they're not able to come out of it anymore. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread. Kya Meat it says in KJV. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us because they had the same eyes of what? Rehab. Our hearts are melting because of what the Lord has done. And these fellows, our hearts have melted when we saw the Amalekite, uh, the, the 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 Anakim. Do not fear them. But they despised. What did they want to do? They wanted to stone them. All the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children. In other words, if the glory of the Lord wouldn't have appeared, finished, Caleb and Joshua are gone, dead meat there mob would have i think this is what would have happened right even when jesus right when jesus they wanted to throw stones suddenly glory of god would have appeared and then nicely he passed through them nothing would have happened to him i don't know some some, I, i somehow feel whenever people wanted to throw stones at jesus he walked happily from between them i don't know how i think something like this might have happened i looked at his brightness no he said i am and everybody fell right right (laughs) I don't know I'm just speculating okay and all the congregation said "No." the glory of the Lord appeared and then what? you know what what God said no you're not entering in finished over it's done deal for you it's done deal you will not enter into my rest so what was the support structure for unbelief let us look at review it one last time let's go back to 106 they forgot they did not wait for his counsel They dusted exceedingly in the wilderness. And they tempted Moses. And then finally, fifth one, they... What is that? Excuse me? Envied Moses. They created a golden calf. And finally, they despised the promised land. God said, unbelief complete. I give you the certificate of unbelief. All qualifications, all examinations for unbelief, you have passed. Take the certificate. Don't enter. Finished. Over. Story over for the church in the wilderness. So, be warned, is the point. Shall we pray? Father, we need grace. I need grace. I need grace, Lord. Your word says examine. Your word says prove. Your word says know if Christ is in you. Father, we don't want to be given over to a reprobate mind. That should grant us our request and send leanness into our thoughts and into our soul. That Egypt will appear like the land of milk and honey than the promised land. Oh Lord, forgive us. When our hope is always in this life only. The word says if in this life only you have hope in Christ Jesus of all the people we are the most to be pitied. Grant us grace. Enable us to see. Enable us to wait for your counsel. Enable us not to take decisions without considering the latter end. That we will not regret the decisions that we have taken. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.